God, we just ask that you continue to pour out your presence, your spirit upon us, that today would just be, uh, it already is, but a special day of divine connections, of fellowship with you, and communion with your presence, with your spirit. So Lord, we just ask as, uh, as we continue this worship service, Lord, that, that our hearts would just be totally drawn to you, and that we'll be even more in love with you than we were before, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Good to see everybody. Love worshiping with you guys. You guys are so hungry, just so passionate for the Lord, and we're just in good company with you guys. And so thanks for journeying with us in worship, and we just so appreciate all of you. Um, I suppose it's been a while for me. I, I, Of course, if you don't know, Trish and I were on vacation for a couple weeks, and so, yeah, it's been a good over a good month, uh, I think, since I preached last. And so, uh, anyway, here we are, and... Um, for those of you who don't know, we have been in a, in a series because this year uh, has really been, uh, that's a, sure, Th- thank you. This year has been, uh, uh, the theme has been a presence-driven life, and so we've been really focusing on that, uh, trying to build a solid foundation, a biblical foundation uh, for what that looks like so that when the Holy Spirit comes uh, uh, in a crazy way, that we'll have a biblical grid for it so that anybody who's like, hey, what's going on here? You can be like, hey, I learned about this. This is totally normal. This is totally biblical, and this is why. And it really helps people embrace the moving of the Spirit when you can show them Scripture and verse uh, of, of this is normal Christianity, right? And I think part of the passion that I have is that in some ways, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit today, um, that's not been completely lost, but if you look through the centuries, you can see there's been, the, the Holy Spirit's been unfortunately kind of put to the periphery in a lot of ways, um, and so people kind of get uneasy about the Holy Spirit. But this century, this century has really changed things, hasn't it? And we're going to be talking about that a little bit today, about the history, but um, so thank God for that that things have really changed in the last hundred years because of the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, the word of faith movement, all these movements that the Holy Spirit has just been basically saying, hey guys, look at me, I exist, remember me? And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being sarcastic there. But anyway, what we've been talking about the last uh, several weeks is life in the Spirit. Um, because as we've been learning through this series that um, being led by the Spirit is so important. And in fact, if you look at this verse, there's just one verse here I have, Romans 8, 14. This is a really interesting verse. If you think about what it says, it says, for as many of, as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God, or these are the children of God. But isn't that interesting? It doesn't say those who have the Spirit, which we know uh, is, is the case, those who are believers, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. It says those who are led by the Spirit. And you see this over and over again in Paul. You see this in Galatians 5 as well, 5.16, 5.18, uh, 5.24 and 25, where it says live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And so the question then is what does it look like and what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Because clearly that's an important imperative in the Scriptures that we actually be led by the Spirit. But we've been talking about the last few weeks um, how important not only being led by the Spirit is, but how do we actually be led by the Spirit, right? Because that's one of those things that you see in Scripture and you can be like, oh, that's nice, led by the Spirit, you're the children of God. But what does that actually look like practically in your daily life? And so for the past several weeks, I've been um, talking about one major key to being led by the Spirit and to hearing God's voice is through fellowship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And one thing that we love so much about this movement that we're a part of, Catch the Fire, that the second value in the acronym FIRE is intimacy with God through hearing God's voice. How many of you were here for Mark Verkler? That's a, yeah, wasn't that awesome? We, in fact, he's coming back in March to talk about dreams, which will be cool. Um, but that's just something that we're so passionate about because one thing that really the Holy Spirit emphasized in the revival in the 90s was how intimate he is and how we can really just have that amazing relationship and hear his voice so clearly that he's a part of our daily lives. And so we've been talking about some keys to intimacy with the Holy Spirit um, and that sort of thing. And the key verse that I've been talking about 
um, that I think is such an amazing verse in Scripture is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Okay? This is the last verse in the book of 2 Corinthians. It's that, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, and in brackets I have intimate friendship, that's the message translation, which I love, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What I love about this verse is it basically talks about the major uh, facet, or the ministries, if you will, of the Trinity. You see the, that everything's predicated on the love of God, which, again, is the first value in the fire values, um, the Father heart of God, knowing God is Father. The love of God, everything is predicated on the love of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about salvation, it's all predicated on grace, isn't it? It's a free gift. It's a free gift. But it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. We're saved by grace, of course, relationship that we get to have with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And so um, in that verse, I talked about this before, but I want to remind us again for today, is that's the Greek word. The word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. How many of you have heard of that before? Yeah. And, and it means a bunch of different things. Sometimes in English word, you have to pick one word. But, it, but in Greek, it has a whole bunch of facets to it. That doesn't necessarily, uh, the English translation doesn't necessarily capture everything. And these are just some definitions, if you will, that, that are, are synonyms of this word. That, that are, are, could be used for this word koinonia. Okay? Fellowship, communion which some translations translated that, companionship, communication, intimacy, sharing together, social intercourse, partnership, joint participation, and close mutual association. Isn't that awesome? So this is, if you think about that word, these are all of the uh, f- facets of the relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is how we can relate to him in, in all of these ways. Now, I realize that's a lot of words. So I, I have here, you can boil basically all these words down to three, arguably. And these are the three, okay? Fellowship, partnership, and intimacy. May the, may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Isn't that amazing that we can have this close friendship? And, and I think that's something that's really been uh, uh, revolutionary in the last hundred years, especially since the, the outpouring of the Spirit in Toronto and, and other movements. The realization that we can have this friendship. Of the, the Holy Spirit isn't some force or some impersonal being. He's a person. He has a personality. And we've talked about this before, but, but we can actually, this is how we can have that uh, uh, intimate relationship with the Lord in this age is through the Holy Spirit. So you can talk to him like a person. In fact, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how the early church talked with the Holy Spirit so much. You see this clearly in the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit spoke clearly in full sentences. It's amazing, and that's possible for us today. Um, I kind of got ahead of myself, but, but the, the early church expected the Spirit to be intimately involved in their lives, and they invited His presence. That's a key, isn't it? We need to actually invite the Holy Spirit to come. And, and the book of Acts gives us a glimpse in how much communication happened between the Holy Spirit and the early believers. Now, the, the amazing part of this is the Spirit also desires to walk in equally close relationship with us today. Now, I love this verse. This is the amplified version of this verse, okay? But look at what it says. This is James 4, 5. He says, Or do you not suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, the Spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us, and he yearns for the Spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. Isn't that amazing? He's saying two things here. First of all, the Spirit yearns for us. Not only do we yearn for the Spirit, He yearns for us. But not only that, God yearns for us to be wel- to welcome the Holy Spirit with a jealous love. Isn't that amazing? So, so He yearns that us as a congregation, us in our personal lives, would welcome the Holy Spirit 
in our lives, in our midst, so that we can have this fellowship, so we can have this communion with him. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah? Now, what I wanted to do, this is a little bit different. I've done this before in the past, but I want to read you a short story, a true story. How many of you have heard this book, There's More, by Randy Clark? Really? Yeah, okay, four or five. It's a great book. Uh, It came out probably 10 years ago-ish, and uh, we don't have it, but it's, it's Randy. How many of you heard of Randy Clark? Yeah, he wrote this book. And if you don't know, Randy Clark was the guy who the Lord used to start the revival in 94 in Toronto. And basically, you know the history. In fact, we're a direct result of what happened there. He got an impartation from Rodney Howard Brown. John Arnott invited him to his church in Toronto, and the rest is history. The Holy Spirit came. In this book, he talks about that. He talks about the stories, how it happened, lots of the testimonies that came from it. So it's a really good book. I, you know, it's, it's a good one. But I remember about 10 years ago when I first read it, I read this story, and it, it still just is with me today. It just, just blew my mind because it's true. It's a true story. But not only that, it's, my, it's our heart desire that this congregation would, would, would live like this because I think this is accessible to everybody. And that's the thing. When I was talking about the early church, the book of Acts, this is how they lived. Okay? And so I want you to think about that. This is completely possible. Now, I don't know how long it will take me to read this, maybe five minutes, but I just want you to listen. I'm going to read right from the book because uh, I want to get the details right. But just so you can put on your I'm listening to a true story hat right now. And I'm, this is, I'm going to just quote Randy Clark, okay? So this is an amazing story of grace within the Roman Catholic Church and is uh, in part, it's part in preparing the way for the new Pentecost. And then he says, I'm drawing entirely on the material from uh, Vince, some, I don't know the name, Welsh's book. And the book's called, What is Going On? Understanding the Power of Evangelism in the Pentecostal Churches. Now, what, what makes this interesting, you'll see, is I mentioned this earlier, this last hundred years has been really a reestablishment of the, of the normality, if you will, of the Holy Spirit moving like the Pente- and he did in the day of Pentecost, okay? So, he goes on. In this book, he relates how God was moving within the Catholic Church to cause it to pray for a new Pentecost. This gets really interesting. He definitely believes that the Catholic Church contributed to the Pentecostal revival throughout its prayers, or through its prayers which were joined to the prayers going up to, uh, by many Protestants as well. Here's the account. Here's the story. Blessed Alina Gura, uh, she lived from 1835 to 1914, the first person beatified by the, uh, John XXIII, the Pope, founded a religious congregation of women called the Oblate Sisters of the Holy Spirit, dedicated to spreading devotion to the Holy Spirit. Sister Elena formed prayer groups, which she called Pentecost Kenicles, hoping that, look at this, come Holy Spirit, you guys know that phrase? This was her main prayer, that the phrase come Holy Spirit might become as popular a prayer as the Hail Mary. Sister Elena wanted the church united in constant prayer as were Mary and the apostles, and advocated 24-hour prayer canicles. I don't know what that is. In 1885, she felt called to write to the Pope, but resisted this grace until many years later when the Lord revealed to a devout woman in her kitchen what she wanted, he wanted Elena to do. Between 1895 and 1903, she wrote 12 confidential letters to the Pope calling for renewed preaching on the Holy Spirit. Pope Leo, uh, his years were 1878 to 1903, responded to Elena's letters by publishing something in Latin, but it's translated, The Provident Charity of a Mother, asking for a Solomon novena between the Ascension and Pentecost through the church. This was not enough. Sister Elena prodded the Pope through her spiritual guide. Pope Leo wrote his famous encyclical on the Holy Spirit, and it was called That Divine Gift. The encyclical was excellent, but the response from the church was poor. Possibly even more important, at the insistence of Blessed Elena, he, look at this, the Pope, he dedicated the 20th century to the Holy Spirit, invoking on January 1st, 1901, the Vienna Creator Spiritus, which is translated, Come Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? 
He dedicated the last century, the 1900s, to the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, on January 1st, 1901. How many of you know the history of the Pentecostal movement? Do you guys know what happened on that date? Tongues. January 1st, if you remember, Charles Parham had a prayer meeting or a group and tongues happened and then uh, the Pentecostal revival happened years later he, uh, through a student of his. Anyway, isn't it, the timing is just phenomenal. Now look at this. This is amazing. Okay, Mrs. Anna Maria Schmidt is a surviving member of a small village in Czechoslovakia that was wiped out by the Nazis in 1938. Look at this. In the 11th century, when her village was faced with starvation because of severe cold had ruined their crops, a beautiful lady appeared on the mountain. She never identified herself, but taught the villagers to invoke the Holy Spirit. This is in the 11th century. By following her teaching, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, manifesting all the Pentecostal gifts, including healing, prophecy, and tongues. This is a whole entire village in the 11th century. They avoided, look at this, they avoided starvation that winter because the bread they had baked was multiplied and their supply lasted miraculously until the next harvest. Each successive generation manifested these same charisms. The power of, the, of prayer in God's presence were so strong, the village needed neither jails nor hospitals. Isn't that amazing? When someone was sick, the whole village united in prayer, expecting God to heal. There was no divorce, and families welcomed all the children sent by God. The Bible was read in the home, and the children were taught how to live in the power of the Spirit. Each Sunday, their celebration of Mass was joyful, and they shared a fellowship meal afterward. In the 1930s, they were told through the prophetic word that a severe testing would come upon the village and empty it. This prophecy was fulfilled in 1938 when the Nazis killed almost everyone. During these executions, the Holy Spirit gave them perseverance, and no one renounced their faith due to the threats. Anna Maria herself survived both Nazi and Russian concentration camps. The story shows a remarkable parish totally immersed in the Holy Spirit for nine centuries. Isn't that awesome? However, one more part makes the story almost too good to be true. This totally charismatic village was visited many times by Bishop Angelo Roncalli, later Pope John XXIII. Anna Maria delighted to sit at his feet and listen to his teachings about Jesus. He was totally at home amidst the openly charismatic manifestations of the Pentecostal village. When he became Pope in 1958 and called the Second Vatican Council, do you guys ever hear that? That was that guy, the Pope, who called the Second, that totally transformed the Catholic Church. He asked the whole church to say a special prayer which began, Renew your wonders in this our day. As by a new Pentecost. He died in 1963. In 1967, as a total surprise of the Spirit, the Catholic Pentecostal renewal began. You guys know that? The charismatic movement in the Catholic Church. In those early days, we constantly thanked Pope John, knowing that this new Pentecostal movement would never have been accepted without his counsel. We often would say, if only Pope John knew what would have happened because of his prayer for a new Pentecost. Now we realize what Pope John knew all along. Before any of us experienced Catholic Pentecostalism, he had witnessed a little village where a beautiful lady taught the people to invoke the Holy Spirit and to use charismatic gifts. I'll just stop there. It goes on. But isn't that amazing? A whole entire village was taught simply invoke the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say how she taught them, which I wish she did. Um, but it's as simple as come Holy Spirit. And then the Pope was totally influenced by a woman from this village, and he visited that village so many times, and then he uh, called the whole entire Catholic Church to this, and what happened? The Holy Spirit fell 1967. How many of you are charismatic Catholics in this place? Come on, look at this. There's a couple, of, and, and you can see the history, how for 900 years, this little village lived in supernatural Holy Spirit manifestations, healing. Come on, no jails, no hospitals. How many of you believe that's possible? I believe that's possible. And what I love about that story is that it's true. 
And that shows us it's possible. Not only is it possible for a few years, 900 years of this, it's possible. And that's really our heart through all this, that our church, that our congregation as a community, that we would know less, but even more experience that miraculous come Holy Spirit manifestations in our midst. Because it is possible. Right? And, and I, like I said, I believe that's exactly how the early church operated. You see that in the book of Acts. So, the question is, how do we develop that kind of fellowship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit, right? And it, it, for the last couple of sermons, if you're interested, you can check out the podcast. I've been giving certain keys uh, uh, that we talked about in how to develop intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We talked about the life of Paul and his life in the, remember, he exhorts us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. We talked about the life of David and his life in the Spirit last time. Okay, so if you're interested, you can listen to those, uh, check out some of the keys to developing that. Because hearing his voice is, I said this earlier, the key is fellowship. It comes through intimacy, right? It's like any relationship, if, if you put nothing into the relationship, it's going to fall apart, right? Like, like if you are married and you never talk ever. Like imagine that, ever. It's like on, the, on your wedding day. Okay, here's my book. You say, hypothetically, you say this to your, newly, uh, your bride. Here's my book. Everything I, I feel about you is in it. You can just read it and we're never going to talk again. Think about that. God is not like that. He didn't, he gave us the Bible, thank God, but he calls us to this intimate relationship, right? Like, I've said this before, but how weird would it be if you went on like a nine-hour trip and, you, and there was someone right next to you, like your spouse, and you didn't talk for nine straight hours, didn't acknowledge them, didn't even, right? Come on, that, that would be strange. Think about how the Holy Spirit feels, Right? I mean, he's always with us. He, and we can talk to him, we can communicate with him whenever we want. But the problem is, if we don't know that, if we don't realize, look, um, he, he yearns for us to have that kind of relationship, then we probably will neglect it. And then it's not surprising if we don't know his voice, right? Like those of you who've been married, you could, I bet you any money, you could be in a crowded room of hundreds of people and if your spouse talks or something and you hear, you know, that's my wife. You don't, like, right, or my husband, right? You just know their voice, right? You, you don't, like, is that, that's my husband. Okay, right there, yeah. Like, his funny laugh there or whatever. You just know it. And that's the same with the Holy Spirit. It's through relationship that you develop this ability to hear his voice, okay? And, and Jesus promised that. All of us as believers not only know his voice, but we will not follow a stranger's voice. Meaning if, you're, if you are led by him and you're his child, you're not going to be deceived. But that, again, it comes through relationship of clearly understanding and knowing his voice. So today we're going to talk about uh, some of the basic common ways the Spirit leads us. And I, I realize this will be review for most of us probably. But, but not all of us, and I don't want to be presumptuous and take for granted that everybody knows this, okay? So what I wanted to, to do is show you this scripture from Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost, and look what Peter says, okay? This is starting in verse 15. He says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. That's always funny. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And what? They will prophesy. What's the point? Peter explains that dreams, visions, and prophecy are primary signs of the Holy Spirit being poured out in the last days, right? You see this, and, and if you remember when we went through the history of the Old Testament, the reason there's no prophetic books or, or any books in the Bible from Malachi to John the Baptist, because they believe the Holy Spirit left Israel for 400 years, and there's no prophetic voice in the land, because where the Spirit is, there's prophecy, yeah? And so you see this throughout Scripture, is that people speak by the Spirit, prophets speak by the Spirit. So one sign that the Spirit's in your midst, is that you're going to speak prophetically. 
Okay? And that's what he's saying here. This is evidence that the Spirit's in your midst, prophesying, dreams, visions, prophetic revelation. So prophetic experiences are numerous and diverse and include all the ways God spoke to people in the Scripture. And I want to I make that clear. The last thing we want to do is put God in a box, right? He speaks in so many different ways and so diversely to individuals, too, I love it. If you speak to, if you talk to different people, how the Lord speaks to them, it's always unique, isn't it? It's kind of like an individual thing because of that relationship, and He knows how He made you and your personality, and so He speaks to you, right? And there's all there's commonalities usually, but there's uniqueness as well, and that's what's so neat. Is and and I re, I always remember. I wish I remembered who said this, but uh, if I said his name, you'd all know him. It's one of those well-known international prophets, okay? I, I, I just wish I remembered who. But I heard him saying this once as he was going to teach on how to hear God's voice. So he figured, you know what? I should probably pray and ask God what he wants me to say to this church, right? And so he asked God, what do you want me to tell your people? How do you want me to teach them to hear your voice? And God, I think it was an audible voice of God. All he said, and it was really stern, is tell them I will speak however I want to speak. That's it. It was like a rebuke. It's almost like, don't put me in a box. I'm going to speak however I choose, okay? So, so I, there's always tension, and we don't want to put God in a box. However, with that being said, there's clear commonalities. If you just even read Scripture of how he speaks, right? Dreams, visions, like these kind of things I just listed. And there's also many levels of prophetic revelation, um, I, today, what I want to talk about, though, is some of the beginning levels, and they include prophetic impressions, okay? So we're going to talk about some of the general basic ways the Spirit speaks. And, and the main way, arguably, is the inner witness, what I'm calling the inner witness. Um, how many of you ever heard of Kenneth Hagin? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, most of us. How many of you have read the book, I Believe in Visions? It's really good. No one? Okay, one person. It's good. If you guys know him or if you've ever heard him teach, he, he's, in his lifetime, he had several encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ in person. And it's really neat because the Lord uh, gave him different revelations. And, he, and in this book, he just talks about all the significant ones. And I, one time the Lord appeared to him and he taught, he said, I want you to teach my people to hear my voice. And he told Kenneth Hagin, this is generally the most common way I speak to believers. The inner witness. Okay? And that, so, so that's why I want to spend some time with this, is to talk about it and what it looks like in, in practical ways. So if you guys remember Romans 14, I started off with this verse. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the children of God. These are the sons of God. Look what he says two verses later. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you guys see that terminology there, bears witness? That's what I'm talking about, the inner witness. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The inner witness. And, and I already said this, generally this is the most common way the Spirit speaks to his children. The inner witness. So how do you be led by the Spirit? This is a really common way. Now, to help people relate to this, because I think we could all relate to this, hopefully. If I asked you, how do you know you're saved? What would you say to me? Does anyone want to throw out answers? What would you say if I... How do you know you're saved? You feel love. Great. Anyone else? By faith? Okay. Anyone else? You feel the Holy Spirit? What's that? You just know. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm going for, but you guys are all, that's right, you feel the Holy Spirit. All these things are right answers. You just, what's that? It's by faith. But yeah, there's a, now this is what I'm trying to get at. If I asked you, if I really pressed you, how do you know? You might say, I don't know. I just know. I know that I know that I know in my knower that I'm saved. Huh? It's not something you can like, rationally argue. It's not something that's logical. It's just, I just know in my heart I'm saved, yeah? This is kind of what I'm talking about. This is, this is an example of the inner witness. This is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you're his child, yeah? And so that inner knowing, that inner witness 
is a major common way the Spirit speaks to you. It's not logical. It's basically this knowing, right, by your Spirit. I just, I just sense this, okay? And, and often the Spirit speaks to us in this way. There's another scripture, 1 John 3.24. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them Look at this. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. You see that? It's the spirit, the inner witness who bears witness with us that we're his children. Okay. Now, now what I want to show you is this verse. This is an important thing. This is John 37 to 39. We all know this, but I want to make a point from it. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And this word, within them, literally means out of his belly. If you read the King James, that's how they... But that's literally what it means. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And then John goes on to say, by this he meant the Spirit. Okay, He says that a couple times. But what I want to show you is this Greek word here, koilias. So this is from within. This is what it means. Belly, abdomen, heart. A general term covering any organ in the abdomen, stomach, womb, uh, inner man, that sort of thing. Why am I saying this? That's where you know. Your guts. That's where the inner witness happens. Your gut. How many of you heard that term, gut feeling? Intuition, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because the spirit is in your spirit, is in your inner man, and it's in that, it's in your heart. It says that in Galatians 4, right? The, he sent the spirit of his son in your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. So the spirit resides in our inner being, in our heart, in our bellies. So often, if, if you're, that's the way he speaks to us. Um, let me give you an example. How many of you have ever been uh, in, like, say, a social gathering or whatever, like maybe a party or Christmas party or something, and you just felt there is something off. There's just something like, uh, I, there's no rational reason. Like, it's not like, oh, they're doing this, this. It's just, oh, I just, yeah, anyone? That could be and probably is the Holy Spirit saying, get out of here. Or there's something that you should be aware of in this, Yeah? Or, or, or a person. How many of you have ever met a person, like a stranger? You've never, you don't know anything about this person. They look normal, huh? But there's just something, you know, there is something off about this person. No logical reason, yeah? Holy Spirit often, right? Telling you there's something off with this person. That's precisely what I'm talking about. On the other hand, the, I'm talking about the inner witness. On the other hand, how many of you, like, Say, say you're praying about a major decision, and there's two choices, and one of them makes a lot of logical sense. The other one makes no sense, but you feel a peace about that one. Yeah? But it's just not logical. You can't explain, but you got a peace in your belly, inner witness. And even though this is, that we would often want it to be more specific, like, of course, an audible voice of God, this is often how he speaks to us. And if you're not aware of that, of developing that sensitivity, oh, the, paying attention to your gut, <laughs> or, right, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Then we might miss it. But the point is, this is precisely how he often will speak to us. Okay, the inner witness. Now, this is the thing that I wanted to say, is there's always an element of faith required because of this, right? It's it, when you're hearing from the Lord and obeying, Sometimes it's clearer than others. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you do get like a really clear word or an audible voice or a dream or something that makes it super clear. But, but when it comes down to this basic like inner witness, it's often by faith, right? It's like, I think this is what the Spirit's saying. I think I feel peace on this one, but I'm not 100% sure. And that's why you see scriptures like this in Romans 12, 6. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying... Then prophesy what? In accordance to your faith. Because it takes faith. 
when, when it's not a clear, like, direct, audible voice, whatever, or an open vision or something, it's like, ah, this. And you often will hear people say, I feel this. I sense this. And that's why, because there's an indication in your spirit that the Lord's saying something, but you're not 100% sure. So you have to do it according to your faith. Now, what I want to say is this inner witness often comes in the form of prophetic impressions. Like, even the stuff I've been talking about are like impressions, right? It's like, I feel this. It's like, I kind of feel this. Now, what I want to make clear is that these are genuine revelations, okay? Um, And they can be very specific and accurate when interpreted by people who are experienced and sensitive to them. These can be so... These impressions can be so specific. In fact, I've heard people say who know like international prophets, right, like Bob Jones and people, that most of the time, this is how they get those prophetic words that blows everyone's mind. These like vague sort of, this is what I'm sensing, but then they declare it and it's crazy. Like Paul Kane. There's a story where you guys may or may not have heard of it, but if you hear anything about the history of the vineyard and so forth, there's, they always tell this story of Paul Kane calling up John Wimber John Wimber never met him yet, and he wanted to invite him there. And he's like, okay, John, when I come there, there's going to be a local earthquake, and then when I leave, there's going to be an international earthquake that's going to make international news, okay? And he said, and that's a prophetic symbol that, first of all, the prophetic movement's going to come and locally shake things, and then it's going to go internationally and shake the nations. And Wimber's like, whoa, what dates are you coming? He's like, you tell me. So Wimber's like, what And he invited him, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He went there. There was an earthquake around California. Then when he left, there was a major earthquake. I forget where. Okay. Do you know what's crazy? I heard people interview Paul Kane, and he said that was totally by faith. It was like this kind of thing. This kind of thing. Yet it was so specific and accurate. Okay? Now, that's what I'm talking about, is that I don't want to diminish at all the power of this, of these impressions, because they're powerful. Yeah, But on the other hand, this level of our revelation can be affected by our own feelings, prejudices, and doctrines. That's the challenge of it. Because it's a sense, because it's an impression, there can be susceptibility to our own thing. Yeah, And so that's why I'm not a huge advocate of saying, thus saith the Lord. If it's on this level. Now, if you get like an open vision and the Lord says something, that's different. But I'm talking about this impression, right? Because, and, and that's why it's safer to say, I feel this or I'm sensing this. Does this witness with you? Because <laughs> that's the thing. If you're receiving a prophetic word, you use this to discern and to judge it as well. That's what the Bible says, to discern, to judge prophecy. How do you do it? The inner witness. If someone's prophesying to you and you feel a peace about it, it there's a good indication it's the Lord. You should still pray about it, though. However, if someone's prophesying something to you and you feel off, don't listen. Because that's a good, or, or yeah, pray about it, sorry. Not don't listen, but there's, it's like, okay, sorry, I, I said that strong. But you see, you, don't receive it. You see what I'm saying, right? Because it's a good chance the Holy Spirit's like, okay, this isn't, mm. or you might have to weed through it. You might, okay, this was actually for me, this was their own thing or whatever, yeah? So that's what I'm trying to say, is that, um, on this level, because knowing that it can be affected by these other things is really important for us to know that. Now, what I, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is visions. Often when we think about visions, we think of these huge, like, open visions which happen, trust me. Okay? But what I want to say is that visions often come on this impression level. We want the spectacular. We're going to believe for the spectacular. But I'm telling you, more often than not... This is how we get it. (laughs) I think because God likes faith, and this requires faith. And then we're not as accountable if we don't say it. So it's God's mercy in some ways that he speaks to us in this way. Because if he gives us a clear word and we don't do it, that's disobedience and that's intense. But when I say visions, often it's, they're gentle, okay? They're gentle, and they they come by the, you see them by it with the eyes of your heart. You guys know that scripture in Ephesians 1.18, Paul's prayer? I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. We often, so when you're praying for someone, be, it helps me anyway to close your eyes and often there'll be this subtle, gentle picture of something. Like it might not even be in color. It just, just is like, like I said, it's like an impression. 
And it's up to you. You could miss it. That's what I'm saying. It's like it can come and go like that. And, if you, and it might be, was that the Lord? I don't know. And then move on and not even pay. But if you say it, then it can be amazing. Like I remember, uh, I won't say who because I just realized I didn't ask for it. But someone who was doing inner healing once. Someone I know well. And she was praying for the person. And, and this picture came to They're just praying. And it was like a red barn or something. Kind of meant nothing to the prayer minister. Like, and so she just asked the question, like, what does a, does a red barn mean anything to you? And the person just broke down, like, crying, weeping. And then she came with this entire story of, like, oh, when, when I was 12 years old, this happened, and then there's a red barn. And, and it resulted in all this crazy breakthrough and healing. Think about this. It was just a gentle vision like this, a red barn. She could have easily just dismissed it and said, that's not, like, what, a red barn. That makes no sense. Right? But when you act out and you step out in faith and you ask the person, what does this mean? That's the thing. It, it's faith, so you could miss it. That's the challenge. But God, God loves faith. Right? He says it's impossible to please him without faith. Right? So faith is a big deal in this age. And, and that's why God often speaks this way. Because it's like, are you going to step out in faith? Now, again, I want to say these can be really specific and accurate and the more of that our eyes of our heart are open, the more powerful and useful they can be. And that's why Paul prayed that, and that's why we should pray that in our own lives, that God would open the eyes of our heart, right, continually, so that we would be able to see more in the Spirit. Okay, last but not least, another way the Spirit speaks, talking about the inner witness, talking about being led by the Spirit. Oh, can you go back one? Thanks. Is through a conscious sense of the presence of the Lord. Or the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which gives special illumination to our minds. Okay? And this can come often when you're speaking. How many of you have ever been praying for someone or maybe speaking publicly where you felt the presence and you just knew, this is the, yeah, this is the Lord speaking to me. It's almost like just an anointed thing and yeah. Often that comes when you're prophesying or praying or whatever. Okay, that's often the Lord, and that's often him giving you those words or, or anointing those words and making them more effective. Now, this can increase confidence in the importance or accuracy of what you're saying, but it can still be influenced by our pre-existing viewpoints and attitudes. Which, right? So we, it's always good to be aware of that. Because if you're feeling that anointing, and you're like, hey, that was totally the Lord. If you don't accept it, you're rejecting the Lord's word or whatever. Don't, don't go there because you need to do it with a posture of humility and just be like, did that witness with you, um, right? Just recognizing your own susceptibility to it, but also if you're receiving from someone, recognizing, okay, this could be 80% the Lord, right? But that's why God wants us to come to him to pray about it and to ask, God, was this of you? What parts were of you? What weren't of you, right? And so it really ha requires humility, both on the person who's prophesying and also the individual and in receiving it. So in sum, on this, so one of the, we're talking about how do you be led by the Spirit. One of the basic general ways the Spirit speaks to us is through an inner witness. And this can be a gut feeling, an intuition, a peace, or a check. How many of you heard the term, a check in my spirit? <laughs> yeah? That's what they're talking about. Like, you just don't feel right about something, or you feel there's something off, right? It's just a check. He often speaks through impressions, which that would fall under, but also they can include these visions, which are often vague pictures or whatever. And in other ways, through this conscious sense of his presence, which gives special illumination to our minds. Often, like, for instance, he'll give you a thought, and you, but you'll feel something, you'll feel his presence on it, right? And so you know, okay, I'm supposed to act out on this thought or say this, yeah? So it can be a, a, not only a picture, it could be a phrase or whatever, but it's, see, all of this is developed through intimacy. All of this is developed. That's why intimacy, communion with God, hearing his voice go together. Because it's like any relationship, like I said earlier, it comes through practice. It comes through discernment of, okay, this was the Holy Spirit. And when I acted out this time, this is the fruit that happened. You often judge it by its fruit, right? And if it's negative fruit, then you could be like, hey, that probably wasn't the Holy Spirit. What did I do wrong or whatever? So it, it comes out of really this relationship, this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what should we do in light of all this? That's what I always like to ask. The application of this, and, and now we're, I kind of confounded the two. Prophecy is similar in a lot of ways to how the Holy Spirit speaks to us personally. 
So when you're asking the Holy Spirit, hey, like, should I do this or that? You pay attention to your inner man. And, and if you get an impression or a witness, it's the same when you're prophesying to somebody, okay? Right? And so, so I'm kind of confounding the two, but this goes either way. Whether you're being led by the Spirit yourself or whether you're prophesying to someone by the Spirit, it's the same. He often speaks in the same, similar ways. So if you feel an inner witness, but it's not a clear word from the Lord, then base your decisions off what you think he's leading you to do. And what I want to say is it should not violate clear biblical scriptures. That is crucial. Because how many of you have heard of people who say the Holy Spirit told me to divorce my wife, to marry my secretary? It happens. Believe it or not, it happens. And you can pretty much bank on saying, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is some other spirit. Why? Look at all these scriptures that say adultery is wrong, divorce is wrong, right? So that's what I'm saying. Don't violate, right? You, you need to have wisdom from the scriptures as well. Now, I kind of said this earlier, but I love this phrase. In order to learn how to be led by the spirit or to prophesy, you need to step out in faith. And I love this uh, uh, phrase by John Wimber. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. How many of you have heard of that? Risk. It's always a risk. <laughs> always. Okay? Like, even if the Lord is giving you this crazy prophetic revelation and it's high level, is it the timing? Is the timing right? You have to, oh, I feel I'm supposed to share this now. Right? Or whatever. There's always usually faith. Not, not always, but most of the time. And you have to do it. And it's risky. It's risky, especially when you're doing it from these impressions. Right? It's like, if I say this, I could look like a doofus, whatever that means. Or, <laughs> hope that wasn't bad. I don't know what that means, but hopefully it wasn't bad. Or it could be powerfully life-changing. Now, now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, God commends faith. Right? You see this Jesus with his disciples. Right? Think about, what was his number one rebuke? You have little faith. Like Peter starts sinking, <laughs> he's walking on water, and he starts sinking. You have little faith. Like, whoa. I... Think about this. Jesus never, ever, ever, ever rebuked anybody for too much faith. And when I stand before him one day, I would rather him say, hey, you had a little too much faith. You believed me for a little too much. Yeah? <laughs> right? Then the opposite, which is you have little faith. I called you to do this, this, and this, but you went into fear and you didn't step out in faith. Yeah? So what I'm trying to say is, look, faith can be a life-changing thing, but it is also risky because you could not be correct, and then, right? So, but always, always there's this element of risk. Oh, yeah. This is so good. I just want to add one thing about always asking uh, Holy Spirit if you're supposed to share. Because sometimes Holy Spirit just wants to tell you something, yeah, and it's not necessarily to be shared. It's because he just wanted to share with you. So there always is that element. And we're going into just basic, basic um, you know, about hearing God's voice, but just wanted to clarify to, you know, ask Holy Spirit, even when you receive something, because sometimes you might receive something randomly in a store or something for somebody, and you think, oh, okay, I'm going to go tell that person, but ask Holy Spirit, is this something you want me to share with them, or is this just something you're sharing with me? Because yeah. sometimes he just wants to share with people and say, you know, this is something that's going on in their life so that you can pray and talk to him about it and, you know, just care about that person, so... Thank you, Tricia. That's great. And that's right. And I have a story to go along with that <laughs> to help hit that home. In the 1980s, when Mike Bickle first met Paul Kane, how many of you heard Paul Kane? Okay. High-level prophet guy in the 80s. He was sitting for, at lunch for, with him and talking to him. And Paul was like, oh, man, can we, move, can we move back there? And Mike's like, yeah, what's wrong? And all of a sudden, Paul's like, that waitress is dealing with this. That guy over there is having an adulterous relationship. I just, I can't deal with this. I got to go back there. And Mike's like, wait a minute. Why don't you go and like tell them this and be words of knowledge and then they'll repent and have like, you know, get saved and stuff and, and all this. And because Mike tested it, he asked the waitress, are you dealing with this? And she's like, yeah, how'd you know? And, all that. and so he tested it. He's like, Paul was right. 
And Paul's like, no, you don't understand. Sometimes God just tells us things out of friendship. We're not supposed to always just go and say, hey, you're dealing with this or whatever, right? So that's great, and that's exactly true. And a lot of the uh, uh, tragic stories you hear from when the prophetic movement was first happening in the 80s was exactly this, is there are three things. When you get a prophetic word, there's application and timing, and you need to know both, right? You need the interpretation, application, timing. So the Lord might give you a clear word, but timing's important, and so is the application. You might misinterpret all that. Okay. Thanks, Tricia. And last but not least, have a posture of heart that enables him to correct you if you ever get off. And if you guys remember um, in the book of Acts when Paul was corrected like this, he went to Asia and the Holy Spirit prevented him and that sort of thing. It shows you that he did things out of principle, but he also was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit was like, hey, I don't want you to do this, he didn't do it. Okay? All right. So on that last note, I (laughs) I wanted to emphasize this point. To learn to be led by the Spirit, you need to step on faith, and that's spelled R-I-S-K, risk. So I wanted to do a little bit of an activation. Now, how many of you have ever, I wanted to ask this first to build faith. How many of you have ever been healed from a word of knowledge? Someone called out a symptom from up front or a disease or whatever, and you were actually healed by it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow. Wow. At least seven. There might be more. Seven people. Okay. Um, do, do any of you want to share what happened? Yeah. Okay. Just quick. What, what happened? To a meeting. <laughs> Bill Prankard was standing at the front and saying, uh, if anybody has some pain from arthritis, um, put your hand on it. And I thought, well, I'm late, but I'm going to do it anyway. Pain left me. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Anyone else? Want to share? Jonah. I was in a meeting one evening, and uh, they sit, and there was a pastor up front, and he said, somebody's here dealing with uh, terrible headaches, and it's been a long-term thing over this past year, and there's talk of cancer and all sorts of things. And so I'd had that problem, but somebody went up ahead of me, and I thought, well, it's not for me then. And uh, I left it, and then right at the end, he said, anybody wants healing, come up. And I went up and I said, when you spoke, on, uh, spoke earlier about that headache, and he said, that's you, that's you. And I, oh, okay, <laughs> I receive it. And he began to pray for me. But as he's praying for me, I just laughter overtook, like Trish. <laughs> and I was uncontrollable. I laughed, and I laughed so hard. And, uh, and eventually I went and sat down. And I had this terrible pain that just hit my head. It was just excruciating. I thought, oh, my age. (laughs) I thought, I'm having a stroke maybe, you know. Maybe I should tell somebody that I've got this terrible pain in my head. And it went from my head, down my neck, into my shoulders, into my forearm, and came right down to my hand. Exactly the same place on both, both sides. And it went right out of me. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Awesome. Anyone else? All right. We'll get one more and then I want to move on. Yeah, actually, back when Steve Long was here in the spring, he called out knee and I, went, I had some knee pain. So I went up there and it got really quite a bit better, like almost right away. And then I sort of fight for a while. It sort of is getting better, but not all better. But now it's like, it's fine. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Okay. The reason I did that, actually, I want to tell this story. When I was a professor at Tyndale, the president of the university, uh, uh, Gary Nelson, we went out for lunch with him once, and he's telling me how he did his graduate studies at Fuller in the early 80s. And in my mind, I'm like, that's when Wimber was teaching there. So I asked him, like, did you ever take a course with John Wimber? He's like, yeah, totally. And he's telling me about how he took Wimber's healing course and stuff. I'm like, that's awesome. And and the thing about uh, Gary, if you guys have ever heard of him, well-known Baptist, really conservative, Um, But he said, you know, I was so skeptical about those words of knowledge. And he said, one time I was at a vineyard meeting, this is way back then, and he said, Lord, if they call out words of knowledge and they're very general, I'm not standing up. He said, they need to say I have an injury from football and that it's in this specific lumbar, I forget, part of his spine, um, and that sort of thing. And sure enough, the guy from up front says that. He's like, hey, somebody here has a sports injury. It's this, this and this lumbar, and 
uh, it's in your upper neck or whatever. So Gary's like, oh, okay, I have to stand up. And he, and he prayed for him, and Gary said he was miraculously healed, and he's been healed ever since. And that was like 30 years ago. Why am I saying this? Often those words of knowledge come from impressions, these faint visions. Uh, often you might feel something like, Say, say, and this is why you have to pay attention to your body. Like, say, for example, if you're, okay, trying to get a word of knowledge and you might get, like, a sharp pain in your knee. That might be the Lord giving you sort of empathy and saying, look, there's someone with this pain in their knee in this area. And that gives you an understanding, okay. Or you might feel the presence of the Lord in a specific body part. Or he might just give you an impression, like a thought, like, I think headache, right? Now, the powerful thing about this, we saw how many people in this room were healed by these kinds of things, like knee, Pretty general, but it, 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 right? John, I know you were healed, right? Knee, uh, word of knowledge. Powerful, often come by impressions. Why am I telling you this? What I want to do right now for a couple minutes is ask you guys, you can close your eyes or not, but ask the Holy Spirit to give you a word. And specifically for healing. Pay attention. It could be a thought. It could be a vision. It could be... He's highlighting a particular body part. There could be pain. And if you feel you got something, I want you to raise your hand. If, you're, if you want to do the R-I-S-K thing, say it on the mic, and we'll see if somebody has that. Okay? And we'll pray for them. So we'll just give you a minute. If you have something, feel free in a few seconds just to raise your hand and say what you feel the Lord's emphasizing. If anybody has something and you want to risk saying it, feel free to raise your hand. Right. Yeah. I thought I felt some pain in my small baby finger and then it left. Oh, wow. What, what hand? Right. right hand. Does anyone have pain in their little finger on the right hand? Oh, there you go. Okay. Do you want to pray for Trish? Anyone else get anything from the Lord? Anyone else feel a, a body part or a specific thing? It could be a mental thing or, yeah, Tracy. Left toes. On both feet or one foot? Are you not sure? On one foot, a left toe. Like the very bunions. Does anyone have that? Tracy, do you want to pray for him? Anyone else have anything? And if you're around, if you're around Philip, feel free to put your hands on them. Does anyone else have a sense of something? Sherry, all right. Back of someone's neck. Jim? Catherine, would you put, lay your hands? Uh, if people are around Catherine, would you lay your hands on? We're just going to pray for this, for these things. See how simple that is. How, Sherry, can I ask you, how did you sense that, if you don't mind sharing? A uh, faint vision. A faint vision. Isn't that amazing? It's that simple. But when you act out on it, often people get healed because it's the Lord actually speaking to you. Okay? So what we're going to do is whoa, we'll pray for everyone where there's a word of knowledge. We'll just believe for miraculous healing. Father, we just thank you so much that you speak to us. We thank you that we hear your voice and Lord, we just ask for increased revelation, that you'd open the eyes of our heart, that we would continue to hear from you, to sense you, to know you, um, and that we would continue to step out like this. And Lord, I just thank you for the things you've been highlighting today, and we just ask for complete healing in Jesus' name. We ask, Lord, that you would come with your healing power, we rebuke all pain, we command it to go, and we're just believing for continued healing in every one of these people who you've highlighted, Lord. We just ask for your miraculous healing power. By your stripes, they are healed, and we thank you so much that even instantly, but also that there will be a progressive healing uh, as we continue on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I wanted to ask, anyone who's prayed for, do you feel anything? Yeah? What do you feel? It's all gone. I woke up with it just in my neck, and it's been wow. making me very irritated all day. Completely gone. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Did you see, Sherry said she had a faint picture, and Catherine's healed. It's, isn't that amazing? Because Sherry was willing to step out in faith and say it on the microphone. Now Catherine's completely healed. Did you hear that, Sherry? Catherine was completely healed of her neck. 
Amen. Isn't that awesome? So I just wanted to show you guys this. As we step out, as we learn to be led by the Spirit, as we continue, right, that it's that simple. Just simply being aware and asking Him. And often He'll do this and then, come on now. Thank God uh, Catherine's healed and we'll believe that everybody here has been healed. Amen? All right. So I'm just going to uh, invite anybody who wants continued prayer, whether you had a, uh, something called out for you or anything, you just want more of God's presence or whatever, we'll have a prayer team come on up and just pray for you specifically.